Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to J. Cow's View, the journey of a journalist. This is the podcast that I ponder and pontificate about being a content creator in the world of pro wrestling. Earlier this week, oh boy, Facebook, Instagram, dead. I mean, they were idle. I mean, some people had limited access. Most people had zero access. That's not good. You know, my timetable, uh, going back in time, I should say, for creating content uh, for wrestling and news and information, well, that predate, predated modern-day social media. I mean, I used to walk to school barefoot in the snow up the mountain. Uh, I mean, we, we, we didn't have all these social media platforms. I mean, we were lucky to have uh, MySpace. Thanks, Tom. But we did have, uh, early on, we had the AOL Grandstand forums. And let me tell you, that was the time to be alive, folks. Readers were so gullible. I mean, <laughs> that's where I fabricated the fact that Greg the Hammer Valentine was my uncle. A wrestler popular enough that everybody knew who he was, but obscure enough to seem reasonable. Anyway, Uncle Greg and I both felt the effects of not having access to Instagram and Facebook this past week. Did you? It's at times like these, it's important to be diversified on your social media prowess. Don't limit your content sharing to one or two platforms. You need to have access to all avenues. Currently, the Alliance blog can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Tumblr, as well as Twitch, the video game streaming service site. I'm even starting to think about crossing over into Periscope. I mean, I had a Periscope account about four or five years ago, but never really used it the way that I probably should have used it. Um, it was, for me, more of a social wrestling thing. If you're creating uh, digital content, I mean, the struggle is to capture eyeballs and ears. Being diversified on social media can get your point to the audience that might otherwise miss it. So I guess what I'm saying is cross party lines, folks. Don't be resilient on one social media platform. Don't just rely on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Make sure you're producing content that can go everywhere. And I mean, even this podcast is an example of me trying to uh, access more uh, avenues to get my point across. You know, for the second part of the show today, we're actually digging into the vault. Digging into the vault of the... the uh, Road Wild. It's a. It was an idea, a concept that Daryl and myself, Big D, thought about uh, doing a video log on the way to Championship Wrestling from Hollywood shows. Now the drive for us to get to Hollywood is just over two and a half hours. So picture this: two and a half hours in a car. Uh, it's a long ride in, and it's a long ride back. So we just put the recorder on and started recording and talking about what we thought about wrestling and, and you know, what we thought was going on locally and nationally and all points in between. So here's a part uh, where we were talking about the hall of fame, which kind of led into women's wrestling. Now, again, this is uh, from the vault, so it's a little bit dated, but I think you'll enjoy it. So stay tuned for this after this brief message. nominated for anyone's hall of fame i think that is uh 
obviously a guy like Abyss has meant a lot to Impact Wrestling. Welcome to the party, pal. Hey, what's up? Um, but in the grand scheme of things, I mean, what does being in the Hall of Fame for Impact Wrestling mean as, as a promotion that's been around for, what, 12 years now? Yeah, it's... 15 years? Yeah, it's one of those things where it's just, you know, you take it for what it is. I mean, the thing about... Here's the funny thing about the WWE Hall of Fame, because this happens every single year, and it's like, you guys don't get it yet, is that, let's be honest, the WWE Hall of Fame is nothing more than a marketing tool. That's all it is. They go ahead, it's a marketing tool for the person getting inducted, because that means they can put their rates up higher, because, oh, I'm a Hall of Famer. It's a marketing tool for the WWE, because that's something they can put on a toy line, or their merchandise, or whatever, you know, that's all it is at the end of the day, is a marketing tool. There is no physical hall, except a booth at Access every year. <laughs> Past that, there is nothing to it, and there is no standards, there is no rules, there is no regulations, it's just suggest a name, and if we like it, yes, if we don't, eh, that's all it is. And the fact that people get so upset every single year over the names that are like, well, this person needs to go in before this person. This person needs to go in before that person. I'm like, I mean, really? I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, like, take for example, Arn Anderson was the name that people bitch pissed and moaned about for a long time. That really there was no real excuse for why he wasn't in yet. You can, you can look at guys like Randy Savage and be like, okay, well, you know there's beef there or whatever. But Arn Anderson, there's really no reasoning behind it. And then he finally went in as a horseman. Let's be honest. Did that really change anything outside of hearing Arn's speech that one night? Has that really changed anything? Nope. So... Okay, Arn's in, so let's shut up and move on to the next guy to our list to bitch about. I mean, past that, I mean, how many of these guys have already pawned off their Hall of Fame rings and plaques or got their Hall of Fame nods and then end up suing the company later like Coco Beware? Co Wait, Coco's in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, Coco is in the Hall of Fame. How did I not the Birdman was in the Hall of Fame? I... If I remember right, because this is back when I was like really into like the backstage news, they were coming out with the video game, and he was one of the characters, so they kind of put him in to like market the video game type deal. It's kind of like how they do the celebrity ring wing at times, where they put certain people in to like promote their stuff at certain times. All right, but right. at the end of the day, it's just like right now, better tag team. High Energy or the New Heart Foundation? Jim the Anvil and Owen or Coco and Owen? Better tag team. I got to go with Coco and Owen. You like the high flyers? I don't remember much about Anvil and Owen. Really? Past, past the outfits, I don't really remember. Well, and it sucked because... So I remember them in 94. I don't remember them back in, like, what was it, 91? Owen and Coco had those ridiculous, like... Neon green with like checker flag, uh, like yeah, they were like the check. They were the checker flag flag hammer pants. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, then they put Anvil in a pair of those for the new foundation. When when uh, Anvil came back, Anvil and Owen teamed up, and I don't know what happened. I thought Anvil and Owen was Anvil and Owen was first. I remember Anvil and Owen was first, but then Anvil got fired or something, and maybe, then, then it was Coco. Right. Maybe okay, maybe you're right. But they still had those ridiculous hammer pants with the uh, the, the yeah they flags on yeah. Them. Then they loaned them to Bob Holly. <laughs> <laughs> Better tag team. New Foundation or uh, the new uh, Rock and Roll Express? No, excuse me, the new Midnight Express. Excuse me. Bart and uh, it was Bodacious Bart and Bombastic <laughs> Billy or something like that. Uh, new, new, <laughs> new Midnight Express because, again, I don't remember a damn thing about Owen and Anvil past that damn outfit. NWA Invasion into Monday Night Raw was one of the highlights of 1996-7. When was that? What year was that? Was that 96 That was 98. If it was one of the best things, you can't remember the year? I did a lot of... I played football back then and had a lot of concussions, so... <laughs> I was the smallest guy in the field. It didn't really... Uh, oh, so you were the Rudy of the group. Not only was I the Rudy of the group, but it's like... So our team wasn't that great, like... Yeah, we did well. We we were gonna go to CIF, which is a championship for. Oh, I know. I went like three years. Yeah, yeah. So so I was the little guy, the littlest guy on the littlest team. We still made it to CIF, but I had guys on the team like no one took off their jersey and said, "Hey, play Kaylee." But they, uh, you know, everyone was excited when I got out on the field. Especially my mom and dad, they were up in the stands. But every goddamn game, <laughs> only saw me play like three plays. <laughs> sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. But uh, getting back to the Hall of Fame, so Abyss in the Hall of Fame, I mean, look, it's a great accolade for Abyss and as a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion through Impact Wrestling. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty cool to recognize him, but I'm with you at the end of the day. um, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fames, at least those that are connected to the WWE or connected to Impact Wrestling, I mean... There is no real criteria, like you said. It was more of a popularity contest, or what? Yeah, I was felt, what purpose does it serve? Yeah, today? I always felt like that when they initially started the TNA Hall of Fame was that it was their attempt to get people in before WWE. Mm-hmm. Like Sting, Kurt, the Dudleys. I mean, they even did Earl Hebner. The short time Jarrett was back, they threw him in on an episode of Impact. Did it really? Uh, it was just on an episode of Impact? Yeah, it was on an episode of Impact that they threw him in. Because that was when they were doing that little Global Force um, invasion, the first invasion. That yeah. really didn't... That just took up like two months of TV time. And then, uh, what was it? And then they did Errol Hefner at the house show the night before Pal for Glory. Wow. They didn't even do it at the show. They right. did it like the night before at a house show. Here's an award. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like it's nice to see people get recognized. And it's nice to, you know, have them get a public thank you for what you've done. But like I said, after that, what does it really mean? I mean, I think Gail Kim sure as hell deserved it for everything she did in that company 
and she was one of the main faces that put that knockout division on the map, which, hey, let's, let's be honest, the knockouts was there before the women's revolution, or whatever the hell they want to call it now. Yeah, I mean, the knockouts, uh, say what you will about Impact Wrestling, I think the knockouts are one of the things that they did right from the get-go, and if it wasn't for say the pressure to put on a better product, would we even have had the women's revolution with NXT and their knock, excuse me, um, with Impact Wrestling and their knockout division? You know, I, I, I don't know if that's the case because certainly there was a, a deficit of talent leading towards Impact when, when, I mean, we're still having, you know, raw panty matches in the WWE. I think it's more of the, the world changing its view on women and their place in sports and their place basically all over the world where women are being more empowered. I think that put the pressure on, plus the fact that also it's one of the times that the fans made it clear we're sick of this crap and they weren't going to let it go. And also the change just like a lot of WWE, the change that happened once Triple H got his power and we started seeing in NXT what we should have been seeing on the main roster. So I think it's more of a combination of that, but it's, you know, we talked about this like on Twitter when it comes to the knockout because a couple of them were stating that, you know, oh, well, we did a women's pay-per-view first. Yep. And, you know, I'm like... Yeah, well, Women of Wrestling did theirs before TNA did, so... Yeah, well, let's be honest. Women of Wrestling was never really... <laughs> that's a footnote, okay? I mean, they were never really competition. You don't love Jungle Girl? Let's not go there. <laughs> I watched that back when I had a black box. Why the black's got to be black? Because <laughs> it was illegal. And I'm black, so I can say that. Yeah, you can so back when I had the illegal box, and this is over, and this is over seven years ago, so the limitations are clear. Back when I had the black box, I saw that pay per view they had, and that was one of the one of the biggest waste of time I ever had in my life. Oh my god, I was like, man, it was one of those. It wasn't like the that Legends of Wrestling one where it was just bad. This one was so bad, it was kind of good. Well, I mean, isn't that what Glow was all about? Was kind of being so bad that it was entertainment. Like, go I didn't, I didn't even watch. I don't remember watching Glow. I just oh remember that gosh. the the women of wrestling. I think it was on like Channel Thirteen at like one in the morning or something. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, oh god, I need one of those minute black things to. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, like the knockouts, especially like Velvet Sky, she was the one <coughs> going on about, we did it first, we did it first. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's kind of like being the guy to brag that he screwed some girl first. And I'm like, yeah, well, somebody came behind you, screwed it a lot better and earned the bragging rights, buddy. Just because you were there first doesn't mean you were the best. Really appreciate you guys listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, make sure you click the subscribe button. And also check us out on social media, The Alliance Blog. That's Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, 
YouTube, and everywhere else in between. And if you could visit alliance-wrestling.com, I'd appreciate it. Until next time, I'll see you at the matches.